purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, I'm Kevin Monroe, and it's a joy to welcome you to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. It's number 68 if you're keeping track. And if you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, well, we now have enough episodes that you can binge listen if that's what you'd like to do. You're joining us for what I call one of our purpose-powered business conversations. We're exploring what does it mean to pursue purpose in and through business, your business. And today we're specifically exploring the topic and journey of culture formation or transformation. It's formation if you're a startup. It's transformation if your organization has been around for some period of time. As we wrap up 2018 and are launching into 2019, I'm hosting several conversations on the podcast here about purpose-powered business, all in hopes of helping you assemble a toolkit of what you need to flourish in business on purpose. You know, I'm blessed to know a lot of amazing people. So over the weekend, I posted on LinkedIn and mentioned my desire to showcase stories of culture formation or transformation, seeking to curate some of the best out there that we can share with you. My pal, Joe Pine, co-author of The Experience Economy and Authenticity and guest on the podcast back in episode 12, introduced me to Christine Holt. Chris, as she goes by, is the Chief Experience Officer of Holy Redeemer Health System. It's an organization of over 4,100 caring professionals in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, closing in soon on about a 100-year history. Chris has been involved with an exciting project that's innovative, transformative. Well, let's just hear it from her. And thanks again, Joe, for bringing Chris to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Chris Holt, what a delight to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast. We're glad to have you. Oh, thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm so glad to be here and to share the story of Spark. Absolutely. So, Chris, here's something I've been doing for several months now, grounding every conversation in gratitude. So, in this moment, what's something you're grateful for? Well, today I started my day by voting. And so, I have to say that I'm very glad. I feel fortunate really, to live in the United States and to have the freedom to vote the way that I see fit. And I think that's a really important doctrine. And I'm glad that I can exercise my vote in that way. And the second thing, I guess, that I'm glad for today and very thankful for is my family and the people that have supported me along the way in my career. So when I think about gratitude, those are the things that come to my mind today. Awesome. And then I said this in the introduction, but I want to say it again. I'm grateful to Joe Pine, the mutual connection that made the introduction that allowed us to be having this conversation. So, Joe, we're both grateful for you and the influence that you've had in our lives. So, Chris, as we get started here, what's something important for us to know about you that helps us connect with you? So I've been in healthcare about 25 years. I started my healthcare career, I think like a lot of other people, because I wanted to help people. 
And I think through the 25 years or so, I've been able to find things that have kept me energized, that have given me new opportunities, that have allowed me to continue to grow. One of my highest values, I think, and one of the talents I have is my sense of creativity. And so I try to bring that to everything I do. Our CEO here, Mike Lane, would tell you that I get bored quickly, (laughs) which is probably true as well. But it's also my desire to learn and grow. So I'm happy to share what I've learned and looking forward to learning more from you today, Kevin, because I find that I learn every day. And it's usually just coming to it with different perspective. And most of my work is about helping people see things differently. Mm, That's really good. Helping people see things differently. I know that will come up a little later. I'm sure it will, because it was coming up in our conversation before we hit record here. All right. So for folks that don't know the organization, what's your favorite way of introducing your organization and what you do? So Holy Redeemer is in Pennsylvania. We're just outside of Philadelphia in Montgomery County. We also serve 12 counties in New Jersey through our home care and hospice division. We have about 4,100 employees. We have transitional housing for women and children who are homeless. We serve the intellectually disabled through residential communities. We have skilled care, residential communities, personal care, independent living, 55 plus communities. We have traditional acute care, home health care. So we have a hospital, we have the ambulatory outpatient center. So we're really a very diverse healthcare system. And that's sort of the descriptor, right, of Holy Redeemer. But we're a faith-based institution. We were founded by the Sisters of Redeemer. They came to the United States in the early 1920s and started delivering care in the home for people in the communities of Baltimore and then later Philadelphia. And so home care is really our roots. Mm. And I think it's amazing to me that a group of women who came from Germany that maybe didn't speak the language as well as people who had been here longer came with really nothing but a desire to make a difference and serve God and their neighbors that has grown into what it is today. And I'm honored to be a part of continuing that story. Wow. Wow. That is a rich history. And so the organization began in the 20s, 30s, is that? Yes. They came to the United States in 1924, at first through Baltimore. And then the bishop asked them to come and serve up north, move north to Philadelphia and serve a community, what is now Fishtown in section of Philadelphia. And so they began serving people who worked in factories and their families with health care in their homes. And that's how they got their start. And then later moved just outside of Philadelphia and built first St. Joseph's Manor, which was a home where they took care of people who needed long-term care and provided at home. They farmed the grounds around the manor to feed the people that they took care of. Um, that was in 1936. The hospital was built with Hilburton funds in 1959. And they've expanded their presence here in Montgomery County ever steadily and grew into New Jersey with home health as well. Wow. Wow. Okay. So what we are focusing on in today's conversation, and this is different for you listening. You know, we've been talking about purpose-powered business and what business looks like when it's done differently out of a sense of purpose. And Holy Redeemer is certainly one of those organizations It's from its very founding Purpose was integral to the mission 
Now, you've been on this journey of transformation is a word that is used. And a little later, you can talk about the Transformation Center, but I actually found out your office is housed in what's called the Transformation Center. I love that, Chris. But what was it that got this specific journey that now led to the Transformation Center? Because I don't think when you started, it was called the Transformation Center. Tell us about this journey. What started it? And then then we'll come back and we'll kind of go in through some of the key phases and lessons learned. So Mike Lane, who's our CEO, asked a few of us to imagine probably, I guess, about 10 years ago now, how would we could become more innovative as an organization. And so some of us started to look for organizations that were more innovative or doing things differently. And we stumbled across organizations that were using the concepts of Pine and Gilmore's book, The Experience Economy. And so that's what sort of led us to start looking at experience as a way to be more innovative. And as we learned more about the concepts of experience, design and delivery and staging, Mm -hmm. we then eventually saw it as the route to be not only more innovative, but also transformative in the work that we do. We came to that much later, but it's apparent to us that providing an experience that's uniquely grounded in who we are and who we want to be as an organization is the way to differentiate ourselves and to transform ourselves to better reflect that to the people that we serve. Okay, so what stands out in your mind is some of the real pivotal moments in this journey? Because like you say, it's now been like 10 years ago since this started. What were some of the pivotal moments or pivotal conversations and epiphanies, if you will? Mm -hmm. So once we sort of understood the concepts behind the experience economy, we also came across organizations that were working with a group called Sterizen, Gary Adamson, who I know that you know, Kevin, we started working with Gary and his organization, and he really helped us understand some of the key concepts and how to apply them in an organization like ours, in a healthcare organization. And so we began a journey of coming up with a plan to help us execute on those things. But over time, what we've learned by working with the experience concepts is it's also important to look at them as a part of your organization and see how they fit how do people understand things in your organization? How do they process them? How do the concepts fit with their perception of themselves and the organization? And so we, over time, started to take some of the recommendations and sort of mold them into something that fit more our culture and how we believe that things should go along. We looked very much at successful programs inside our own organization because we didn't want this to be a program. We wanted it to be something that really lived and existed and became embedded in the culture. And we had something that was a safety program that we call Safe Care. And that really became part of our culture. And we looked very much at how that sort of, what was the genesis of that, how that evolved inside the organization, how it took hold, what was the basis of its success. And we tried to mimic some of those things in our own work. And so we've what we call wholly redeemerize some of the concepts of experience to fit in our organization and how we like to do things. Some of that's taken us a little more time too, because we like to process things maybe sometimes a little more than we should, but it's really been part of our journey of discovery. And then what we discovered was that if we look at this as an extension of our brand, not just a way to provide better service, but really to 
provide a branded experience that's uniquely ours as Holy Redeemer, that this is one of the key things that can help us transform as an organization and not just do transformation for transformation's sake, but do the transformation that's sort of in the context of who we are as an organization. So that's how we ended up with a transformation center that brings together some other services that could help the organization transform. Okay, so help me and maybe someone else listening thinking, okay, how did these dots begin to connect between innovation and transformation and then brand? Because I think it's something that we know when we really peel it back, it's all interconnected in an organization like this. And then if you also want to talk about context, what's going on in the world of healthcare at the time that has Mike thinking, how do we become more innovative? And, and you're not seeking to become innovative just to become more innovative. Innovation was an avenue to do what for Holy Redeemer? Yeah, so the current context of healthcare, which continues today, was in existence a decade ago, and it will continue, is that healthcare has been under a lot of pressure, right? From the inside, when you're working in healthcare, it feels like you have to do more with less every year, less and less and more and more. There's disruptors coming into our industry who are from outside healthcare that are typically better at being innovative. And so they're bringing that thinking and the technologies and the methodologies into healthcare. And that's putting pressure on people who are more on the traditional side of healthcare to be innovative. And so we were recognizing these trends our reimbursement is tied to our performance. A lot of our relationship with our customers are based on how well we serve them. Consumerism, the expectations of consumers, and our consumers are buying things on Amazon. They are going into places like Starbucks and other places that are giving them an experience. And then they're coming to healthcare and they're bringing those expectations that are grounded in those other experiences with them. And so healthcare in a lot of ways has felt perhaps like it's been immune to some of those things, but really we are not. We're not immune. No one really is. Those expectations keep rising. And so how can we as an organization, was the question, bring some of those concepts forward in our own organization and learn to be more innovative to stay ahead so that we're not being as impacted by these trends? And so innovation was really the word that we were using. And I think experience design was one of the ways that we discovered that we could be more innovative and made sense to us. And I'm a marketer by background. So as I've gone through and helped lead this movement inside our organization, it was very clear to me in the beginning that this is really high-level brand activation, that when you're providing an experience to someone, it should be a representation of who you are as an organization and how you want to be seen in the eyes of your customer. And that really is the definition of your brand. So if you can get people to understand what the experiences are delivering and live that in their day-to-day interactions, you can transform the organization at the grassroots level while you're improving people's experience that they're having with it. So it's really high-level brand activation. And through that, we've seen that as an avenue to become transformational. Okay. Wow, Chris, there's so many things that I want to unpack out of that part of the conversation. One of those is, and I want to invite you to speak into this however you want to, that through this, it's not that you were innovating, trying to become something you weren't. You were seeking to better understand 
who you are as an organization and what is unique and how in this competitive environment you maintain what's unique about our history and heritage, right? I see you're nodding your head. So that's what I think I'm understanding here. Talk about that because I think it's easy for sometimes people to think transformation is becoming something you're not. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about having that increased clarity, understanding of who we are and owning that and becoming very clear. And that, that in the owning of that, it becomes, when you start talking about brand, it's experience wherever you're experiencing the brand from before you enter the hospital, if you're a patient in the hospital or when you're going into one of the centers. So yeah, unpack this for us. Yeah, I think my experience prior to doing this work was that we were after change that I'll call incremental improvement. And so when most people undertake improvement, they look at where they are and then they look at the next step that they can take to sort of move themselves forward. And so that's really incremental improvement as opposed to transformation, which is really going to the end state of where you want to be and designing backwards from there. So that was one of the first concepts that we sort of warned from people we were talking to and working with that you really needed to push the envelope beyond that incremental improvement to get transformation out of it. It has to go to that end state, that ideal state. And losing your baggage around how to get there and to let yourself really dream and imagine and then design backwards without putting barriers in your way is really key. So while you're doing that, the big aha moment for us as an organization came Inside learning those methodologies of what we call dreamscaping and getting out to that future and getting people to let go of the barriers. But inside of that, what we learned is you have to give people a context to dream because if they're not dreaming about a future that's aligned with who you are as an organization, it may be a nice dream, but it's not going to take you where you want to go strategically. And so you have to spend time learning and understanding what is your mission and not just so that you could say it back to someone, but how does it come alive in action? What do your values really mean and how do they get translated into what we call emotive criteria? So our mission, the shorthand version of our mission is care, comfort, and heal. You know, we have our mission statement, but people sort of shorthand it that way. Our brand really promise is caring for you, about you, and with you. And then we have some brand attributes that really come alive inside that team spirit and being a healing presence to people. What we've done is we've tried to boil those down into an emotional connection and a value that comes out of those things so that when I'm giving service, I know what I'm delivering on. I can say care, comfort, and heal to you and you get some kind of impression. Where the rubber hits the road is actually helping people do the functional areas of their job in a different way that's reflective of those values in action and making an emotional connection that you want to connect. And that's really where the transformation happens. So that's the core of an experience because a branded experience is about trying to elevate your service so that you're making an emotional connection. It's impactful. It's memorable. It helps people create meaning inside their life in the littlest service you can imagine. That's really the experience we're after. I call that the biggie experience. But that's what helps you also transform. And to transform in the direction you want to go, you have to ground it in who you are and who you want to be in the eyes of your consumer. Or someone else can replicate it because it's just sort of a nice 
customer right. service experience. Right. Oh, wow. Chris, thank you. I, and I want to go back and let's peel that onion back a little bit more. I love the way you described the mission and shorthand for the mission. You know, we have this mission statement, but when we look at it, there are these three components, care, comfort, heal. And then I love that you did that for, to, and with. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Then this doing the functional job in an emotional way, or what was it you said there? That was a beautiful statement. So when we help people understand how to integrate the principles of our experience model into their work, I always try to tell them, and I actually help had to make purple icing for cupcakes to try to get them to understand this. But walking back years later, people remember the purple icing on their cupcakes. But I tell them, if your job description says, these are all the things that you do, let's make them blue. Whatever's in your job description you do every day, that's blue. If all of these experienced things that I'm asking you to do are red, I don't want you to do blue with red on top as something extra. I want you to live in purple. I want you to take the blue and the red and mix them together and find a new way to do the same things that I'm asking you to do. So I'm not asking you to do something additional. I'm asking you to integrate it so that it's a new way of going about what you do. And so help people understand what we mean by that. In areas where we've gone through a reimagination, we've actually rehearsed people. And that's not putting words in their mouth or scripting them or telling them how to exactly behave. It's just giving them a way to practice you know, how could I live up to this value of the organization inside these interactions that I'm having every day with patients? I'm still going to take their blood pressure. I'm still going to, you know, lead them back to the exam room. But how can I go from taking them to the exam room and screaming their name at the top of the room to seeing myself as a guide? Because when I'm caring for you, about you, and with you, I'm guiding you. Hmm. And so how can I be gentle in that? and guide you to where you're going and have a conversation with you. So we actually help them rehearse. These are some of the values and how the values of respect come alive and justice, things like that. Let's talk about the values a moment. In this part of the work, as you were doing this, did you revisit values? Did you change any values, update values, clarify values, or just connect to the values? No, our mission and our values have remained unchanged since we've undertaken this work. We really feel that they are the truest definition of who we are, and we did not see any reason to reevaluate them. I think when I go around other organizations and I hear their values, there are some words that we have in common, right? You know, a lot of organizations have collaboration. That's one of our values, and you hear that in other people's value statements. I think what makes us unique and what I hope makes us unique is how we express our collaboration, how that comes across to people is really where the rubber hits the road for a branded experience that's uniquely yours. And really, an organization that really truly lives that is unique because a lot of us just see the values when we come in, we come on board, they're there in orientation. We might see them, you know, every once in a while, but how do we really live them is what makes you unique and different. And so we really are trying to help people connect with a couple of different things. Which is purple icing, right? This is purple icing. <laughs> it's purple icing. And it's, you know, we've come to different ways to get try to get people to understand that. And purple icing, you know, they remember that. So yay what? for us that we gave them something they can understand and remember. We have a university here that helps teach some of the principles to people. Our 4,100 employees have to go through one day 
training and two days if you're a manager. And one of the things that we try to do inside of that is we recognize that when you work inside healthcare, and this is true of a lot of industries, but in particular healthcare, you have to have what I call a full well. It's work that requires a lot of you physically, emotionally, sometimes spiritually to come to work prepared to give as much as you have to give. And so we spend a lot of time with people who come to our U, helping them reconnect back to why did you want to work in healthcare? And inevitably, the answer to that question is, I wanted to help someone. I wanted to help people. But through the course of their day-to-day, doing more with less, they lose sight of that. And so reconnecting people back to their higher purpose of why do you want to help people? What does that mean to you? And then having them take that and connect to the higher purpose of the organization. Why did those women come here from Germany? What were they really trying to do? How do we continue that story in the work that we do? And where's the connection between your personal reason for being that you feel that you went into healthcare for and how you work here in this organization and help the organization accomplish what it sets out to do? And if you can connect to that and then we can help you with how you can express that inside your role in your individual area, that's really what. I think living the brand is really all about and delivering experience. So before we started or before we hit record again, you said you love stories. Do you Mm -hmm. have a story about this? Someone whose well was maybe a little dry and through this experience somehow tapped into a fresh supply. I would love to hear that if you have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's someone in our organization, I will not use their name who works in an area where there's a lot of volume and a lot of requirements. They're in management. They manage a very busy staff that has a lot of patients flowing through their area. When we began some of this work and more recently went back to involve them again in the work, we were doing a redesign and we asked them to join our team. And later on, after we were completed with our redesign process, She said to me, I did not want to participate. I thought this was a waste of time. I'm very busy. You know, I thought we didn't have time for all of this. But she said, you know, you made me remember Mm. a lot of the things that I forgot. Mm. And she said it really made a difference for me in a very critical time in my work where I was thinking about leaving. I thought that I would find something else to do or maybe go to another organization because I needed a new start, but it reminded me of things that I need to do and I'm really on board now. So if I can have those kinds of successes, that helps me get out of bed and with a, you know, a pep in my step. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that story. I love that story. Through this journey, there was a theme that emerged to the campaign. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that? Yes. We use my life story. So my period, life, period, story, period. So that was something that Storizen actually helped us craft along with a declaration video that and statement that really helps us state what we know, what we've learned, what we believe, and therefore how we will behave. And it's based on our mission and our values. They're the foundation of those things. Out of that, my life story declaration, it's really the sense that in healthcare, we have the privilege of being a part of people's lives at every phase of their life, mm. the very beginnings of their life, the very endings of their life. Mm. And then that's an absolute privilege. And when we're with someone, we are writing our stories together. 
we have a line in our declaration that says every day we receive the gift of a blank page. Mm. And, you know, right now, Kevin and your listeners, we're all writing our story together for this period of time. And so really just recognizing the fact that everyone is writing their life story, our actions are our ink, what we choose to do that day writes the story for that day. And so we were just trying to help people set this idea that every day you can make choices that help us as an organization live out our brand, help you personally live out your personal purpose. And that that's really a gift to be able to do that and make those choices. And we call ourselves a health and life organization that we are a partner to people throughout every stage of their life. And we're really thrilled to be able to do that. Okay. Wow. Wow. I love this. We will put a link in the show notes if you're listening and you're hearing this about this declaration. So a few months ago, I met Gary Adams, who helped you all with that, and Gary Adamson? Adam. Adamson. 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 I met Gary a few months ago through Joe Pine, and I was watching their declaration in preparation, just like I watched your declaration. I'm sitting there, and I told Gary, I watched it three times, and I'm crying. I'm watching a corporate <laughs> video, and I'm tearing up. You know? And the same thing as I was watching your declaration. So I love that. I encourage you, if you're listening, find the link. Give it a, a watch. It's powerful how this comes to life. So how did you roll this out? And what parts of the rollout are highlights to you? So we've rolled it out in the organization through the management first. We had a group of us that worked on crafting it and coming up with the ideas that served as the basis for that. And so we shared it first with that team. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. (laughs) And as a marketer, I find when there's not a dry eye in the house, no one has to say anything. You know that you've earned your keep. So then we rolled it out through the Experience You process. So it's a part of our Experience You learning, which is part of our non-clinical learning here at um, Holy Redeemer. So it's a very big part of how we help people understand what it is that we want them to deliver. Hmm. At the end of the You One Day process, Everyone signs. We have a six by six foot book. It's a prop, but it has the declaration on it in written form. And part of our process is at the end of your first day, you get the chance to sign the declaration just as the first people who helped craft it did. Mm. And we have a book that has all of the signatures from all the classes um, so that you can see people who have come before you to help write that story and support the declaration. But really what we help people understand that our work is to make that declaration true. That's how we transform. That's how we deliver an experience is to make the statements in the declaration true. The other way we use it is when we engage in a new partnership, we might send that to people so that they have a better understanding of who we are, whether we have aligned values. And we also use it in our recruitment efforts. Once we narrow the candidate pool through the normal interview process to a couple candidates. We have what we call an audition. And the audition, that video is sent out to the candidates as as some background for them to play while they're at home so they can learn more about the organization and what we stand for. And it gets incorporated into their audition process because we ask them to share their story Mm. with us. Love it. Beautiful. And you listening, this is something you can do with 
without having the formal declaration. It's something we've been talking about. How do you use your values, your mission, your identity, your purpose to recruit those who already buy into it and then to onboard them, integrate them into the care? So it's not a one-time act. It's this ongoing identity of who we are. So, Chris, back to you, this transformation, something else happened along the way that led to this transformation center and then the new program you lead. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think what we discovered over time was that most healthcare organizations that are pursuing experience really look at quality and safety. If it's not high quality and not safe, then it's not a good experience. They look at things that I call service delivery components. Is it, are we efficient? Are we on time? Are we polite? Do we offer good service, service excellence, all of those things? Those things are also have to be present for things to be a good experience. Our third concept that I think is what makes Holy Redeemer unique is that we think there's an added layer. And that added layer really is about how do you meet needs that people don't know they have? Mm. How do you create a wow experience that really touches people on an emotional level, helps them create meaning inside the service experience. And so that's really hard to translate. So when we started to think about, we wrap people in an experience so they know what an experience is, because an experience that includes that third layer, you know when you're in the middle of that, but it's hard to like define it for other people and have them deliver on that. So wrapping people in an experience is a teaching methodology that we've learned through our work with Storizen and Pine and Gilmore. And so we needed really a place for people to come and see these principles in action and feel them in action and also come to a place where they can leave the barriers that we often bring with us when we're trying to redesign something and, and leave them behind. So we wanted to create an ideation space. So about two years ago, we opened Spark which is a transformation space on this campus, which we call the Transformation Center. And the building where we're housed actually was the provincialate or the headquarters for our sisters in the United States until the building kind of outgrew the sisters. And the health system started to bring people here. And we took the first two floors of the building and decided that there was no better a place for this to be housed, that really what we are trying to be is a contemporary expression of the sister's ongoing story. And so we wanted to be steeped in who we are as an organization as part of our work and continue writing that story. And for people to come here where the sisters lived and worked, farmed the land is really meaningful for us. Okay. So what are some of the things that happens at Spark now? So Spark is a place where our team, we have construction and design, recruitment, which we call the town agency. We have marketing, which is brand storytelling. We have catalysts who are internal consultants that help people in the health system apply the concepts in their own area. And we also have a team of experience producers, which help elevate our normal meetings and events into experiences. And we also have the Experience U team that that helps deliver all non-clinical education and leadership development training here at Spark. And then we've recently brought on life coaching services, which can be done here on the campus or remotely through technology. So our goal is really to model 
the future of the health system, both in the way the space is, we call it people process in place, the integration of those three things, which makes an experience. So intentionally designing those things and delivering things on something that's intentionally designed with the activities, interactions, and the space all supporting an expression of our brand and who we are. And a couple of things. One, I read somewhere that Spark kind of was a full circle part in the journey for the transformation. And Spark also serves the community beyond Holy Redeemer, right? Talk about that. It does. Yeah, I think what we've learned over time is that we have a whole team of people here that are not only ready, willing, and able to help people inside our organization transform their work and their team, the work of their teams. But we've also realized that we can help other people inside healthcare, outside of healthcare, rethink and reimagine their work and discover who they are as an organization and how they can help their people express that through the services they deliver. And so Spark is also available for people to come here and do work with, or our team also is starting to travel out to other people to help them reimagine and rethink the way that they're doing things. It's really about the opportunity to see things differently than you see them today and to sort of release yourself from the bonds of your current existence and get out to that future state that you want to live in and try to design backwards from there rather than trying to just take the next little step to incrementally improve. So that's sort of how we've arrived at where we are today. Okay. Now, a couple of times, very early in the conversation and then just now, you talked about seeing things differently. What's something that this involvement with the journey at Holy Redeemer has allowed you to see differently? Hmm, That's a really good question. I didn't prepare you for that one. (laughs) Yeah, no, you didn't, but it's a really good question. My first answer to that would be, I think I've seen the people I work with and the organization different. Oh, I love that. How so? Yeah. So when you're in the middle of running and you're in operations, you're in the middle of running an area, a lot of times, especially in healthcare, your concerns are, you know, do I have staff? Do I have what I need? Handling sort of what's coming at you. And so a lot of times when I've been in operations and now sort of in the marketing role and then this role as the chief experience officer, when you're in those roles where things are just coming at you, you just feel like you're putting out fires. And it's really hard to escape from that day-to-day reality. And what I've seen differently and what I've seen from people that's different is in the beginning, I may not have had faith that people who were in those positions all the time could get themselves out of sort of that rut that they get in. And this has given me an opportunity to you know, help people find new inspiration mm. to look at their job and their role differently. And that in turn has helped me be re-inspired to do my work differently. The other thing is that I've learned a lot from them mm. by doing that. People mm. are so much more than their functional role. And a lot of times, you know, we get so caught up in what we do or the title we have. Or I run into a lot of people that, you know, say, I just fill in the blank, whatever it is. You know, I just wash dishes or, you know, I just pass meds, whatever it is. And helping people get rid of that word just, (laughs) you know, has really been a gift for me to see my work. You know, I see my work at that level to, you know, help people see themselves and their work differently. That 
that's your blue. That's what you do. It's not who you are. It's how you do it and how you go about it in a different way that gets you beyond adjust. So that's really been the opportunity for me. And I told you in the beginning, I think that I get bored easily or it could be perceived I get bored easily or that I like to use my creativity and I like to keep learning and growing. I've learned that part of what I also like to do is to help people do the same, same work for themselves. And so that's really been, I've seen the organization in a new way as giving the gift that they've given me to continue to reformulate myself to sort of go in it in an area that maybe other people wouldn't have supported or work that wouldn't have been supported in that way. And I've found that Mike, our CEO and the team here has always supported me in trying new things and doing new things and helping to set the organization in, in different ways. So, Well, if I may use your own words back to you from something you said a moment ago, I think you found a way to fill your well differently. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. by, by helping others, all of a sudden you find that your well is overflowing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And Gary Adamson always says, you know, this work should be energy giving. Yeah. Right. And so when you go home and you feel like you're drained of energy in the traditional way of doing things, you know, having the opportunity to feel like you're giving energy and you have more energy than you did when you started is a good sign that you're onto something and you're doing something right. So it is, it is, it's energy fulfilling and energy giving. And I'm glad when I can help other people tap into that as well. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us, for sharing us. Before we conclude this conversation, is there something you want to say that allows this conversation to be complete or whole for you? Something we hadn't covered yet. Hmm. I just think that it's about spirit, you know, and that's why we picked the word spark. Every organization and every person inside of that organization, I mean, culture is really just a collection of people and the spirit that they give their work and the way they inform what they do. And so I think if people can really just give some thought to their own purpose, how does that align with the organization they're trying to be a part of? How can people who are aligned move forward in a new direction and see things differently? That's really the spirit or the spark that we're working on. And I uh, hope that it becomes a movement, not just inside our organization and with people you're talking to, but far beyond. Well, thank you for joining us. Chris, for those wanting to find out more or explore Spark, where should we point them? Our website is spark-holyredeemer.com. That's where they can go to learn more about the work that I've described to you. And our Holy Redeemer website is holyredeemer.com. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Chris, thank you so much. It's just been a delight. Thank you for sharing with us about your story, your journey, and this amazing work that started to just be more innovative. And it is innovative, but it's brought a lot of extra benefits with the innovation as well. Thanks, Kevin, for the opportunity to share a story. And you are a great person to talk to. So I hope everybody enjoys listening to our conversation. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm wanting a cupcake with purple icing. Well, not really. But if it's gluten-free, I'm in. Seriously, I'm pretty sure the next time I see a cupcake with purple icing, I'll be reminded of this conversation. I love that metaphor. 
If your organization is anything like Holy Redeemer, the people you lead are dealing with overwhelm as it is. And they may be tempted to think of your work on purpose, change, or a transformation of any sort as another initiative, another item being added to the list of what they already do. So this metaphor of culture and transformation is icing is fabulous. It's not that you're asking your people to do something new. Instead, you're inviting them to reimagine what they already do in a new way, in a way that may be transformative and result in purple cupcakes. Then, I love the sidebar story Chris shared about the staffer who said, you helped me remember why I'm here. If you know me, you know I love quotations. That story sparked one for me. The quotation, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Now, there's some debate as to the originator of that, but the sentiment is true. There's someone who will cross your path today, my path today, having a tough day, and they might have forgotten why they do what they do. And we have the opportunity to remind them and reconnect them to their why, to their purpose. Finally, you and I have the same opportunity as everyone at Holy Redeemer. Today, you started with a fresh page of your story, and your actions are the ink. What story will you write today? I want to encourage you to write a meaningful chapter. I want to thank you for joining me. Be sure and tune in next week. We have another amazing conversation headed your way. And in the meantime, I want to encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you at a crossroads or facing a transition and not confident about what to do now or next? Then you're invited to join Kevin Monroe for a clarity call. Go to kevindmonroe.com slash clarity and enter for a free call or book right away. That's kevindmonroe.com slash clarity.